it is President's Day, so we decided to get somebody on who could talk about the presidents, most notably George Washington, the first one. Alexis Cove is Alexis Coe, I should say, is a presidential historian, and she's the author of You Never Forget Your First, a biography of George Washington. Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, you are a presidential historian. What made you decide to write about George Washington uh, instead of, you know, uh, Polk? <laughs> I would love to write a book about Polk. I'm afraid it it might have a small audience and, you know, one term. Washington definitely has a lot of books about him, so does Lincoln. But um, I found when I read the Washington biographies, there was an odd uniformity. And when I started to look into it, into the archives, it was hinky. Nothing was quite right. And so I felt an obligation to set the record straight. What do you mean by that? What, what was so hinky? Uh, one of the things that attracted me uh, to to your book in the first place is there's a Washington Post article out today that uh, features you. And apparently a lot of the George Washington biographies focus on how strong his thighs were. Yes, that was one of the things I felt odd. It was almost um, it, it felt like I was reading a romance novel. There was talk not only about his thighs, but of muscles rippling through his jaw. And what was odd is it would go on for pages and pages, and it wouldn't bring us any closer to understanding who he was or his contributions to America. It was just kind of weird, and I wondered what the fixation was. So, Alexis, tell us, without giving too much away here, um, what was the most interesting thing that you brought that you want to kind of bring to light here for us? Well, I'd, I'd actually choose two things. One, I think that George Washington, while getting plenty of credit for being the general and the first president in setting incredible precedents, that most of which um, are still followed today, with the exception of we had a break, of course, in the peaceful transition of power that was almost in existence for 250 years. Um, but I think there are also a lot of undervalued things. The court of public opinion. It was so important to Washington that not only on a local level that loyalists in America had stayed loyal to the crown, be won over to the cause, but that the rest of the world understand that this was not a rebellion, as the British were calling it. It was a revolution, but it was one that honored the rules and laws of the rest of the world. And by doing so, we really set ourselves up to be um, – a country that could be traded with, that could be trusted, that could have treaties negotiated within its first term. And when we talk about George Washington, we think of him as a, a general and, you know, later on the first president of the United States. But what what was his job? Was he a military man the whole time? No, this is sort of funny. If Washington wanted to be at the center of his country's story, but at first it didn't matter what country that was. So if the British had simply given this young upstart, George Washington from Virginia, the promotion that he demanded in letters upon letters, um, he might have, you know, he might have fought against the revolution, but instead he got frustrated. He wasn't getting the same pay as British born citizens. He felt second class. And he eventually retired because he had a great retirement plan at 27. Her name was Martha Custis. And what was, what was the retirement plan? Was she rich? 
she was very rich. She was a rich widow who came with two young children, which early in, in early America, that was a great advantage. Um, Madison, many other uh, founders as well, um, married, you know, widows who had children. And she did not have a father-in-law. She did not have any other men directing her purse. So it immediately went to Washington. And as Washington was the eldest son, but from the second family. So when his father died, when he was just a boy, his mother was um, left practically destitute with a bunch of children. He felt really like he had been denied the same advantages his half-brothers had received. And what about Washington that we know from the kids' stories is completely bogus? Uh, Let's start with the wooden teeth. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay, let's think about this, right? What do we know about wood? What happens when you get it wet? falls apart, it crumbles. And the founders were incredibly gossipy and not that nice. If he had, if he was spitting little crumbs of wood out of his mouth, if he had these ter- this terrible breath, we would have known about it. The other issue, though, is why don't we question these, these stories, right? Because we don't actually want to know the answer. And the answer there is not great. At best, he was a poacher, you know, walrus, um, ivory from other animals like elephants, but at worst, he was um, someone who who used the teeth of enslaved people in his dentures. And he didn't invent this practice. This certainly existed, but he did tweak it. His dentist would put out ads for, you know, elite people in America who could buy teeth, but Washington enslaved hundreds of people, and so he realized he could pay them under market value for their teeth. Yeah, I can imagine you'd want to leave that out of the children's <laughs> stories. Alexis, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much thinking that the uh, I cannot tell a lie sort of thing kind of goes by the wayside here, too. That might have also encouraged me to write the book far before I realized it. My first job out of grad school was as a curator in the exhibitions department of the New York Public Library. And we have every volume of Parson Weems's first biography on George Washington. And he wrote to his publisher. He got there a year before Washington died to Virginia. And he said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to write the first biography, and it's going to sell, like, flax seeds because flax seeds sold incredibly well. <laughs> and he, it's like reading each volume is like watching Pinocchio's nose grow. The cherry tree story is not in the first volume, but by the time it's there, it really sticks. And it's not just that this Parson Williams, who had a great name, he was an itinerant minister and bookseller. It's not just that this was something he was trying to pull over on Americans. Americans were desperate for stories about Washington being good, about him being pure, because if he was, that meant that America, who was sort of forming this identity, was also pure and good. And of course, that's not totally true for anyone. And there's all this talk uh, when people talk about you know, tearing statues down and, you know, oh, the presidents uh, used to own slaves. Well, of course they did. It was it was just something that 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 people did at that time. And that's no excuse by any means. But it was a he was a product of his time. Um, so there's probably yes and no, I would like to say that John Adams did not that we know of. And when we say that, uh, you know, Washington was a man of his time. Sure. But so was the Marquis de Lafayette, who wrote him letters over time, encouraging him to emancipate his enslaved people. So it's important just to realize that when we say he was a man of his time, we have to remember that everyone else was too, including the men he enslaved.
Well, that's that's perfect. That's why we have you on, Alexis, to yeah. remind us of things like that. And and that's what history is all about. But when you start talking about uh, writing a book about George Washington to kind of separate the the um, the fact from fiction, was there anything in your research that you found out? And of course, we try to, uh, like you just said tell these great stories to talk about what a great man so we could say that the United States had the the most perfect first president ever. Was there a story that you found that was a great Washington story that wasn't ever included in any of these volumes? I don't know if I found one that wasn't included, but I do think that I um, tried to emphasize parts of him that we didn't necessarily see. So, um, you know, there's again, there's so much talk about his work during the revolution. But then if you if you push on that, military scholars will point out that he lost more battles than he won. So I think and and then if you talk about him being a statesman, Madison, Jefferson, you know, even Hamilton scholars will talk about how he wasn't. But that's not true. He was very much ruling um, the military and trying to negotiate the Continental Congress as if he was already um, someone who had a lot of um, experience in government. And while we have to remember that being an enslaver and running five farms, that was um, not only a brutal practice, but it was also a business practice. It was transactional. And so he knew how to manage things. He also was on the, um, he was, he was involved in his community. He ran um, on the board of, of several churches. He was definitely active in his community. And what I see with Washington that I don't think is completely um, appreciated, and I hope that I did emphasize, because you do have to hold the good and the bad. It's not my job, by the way, to judge present. I really hope that I um, I illustrated to him, him to be like a very thoughtful man and very caring. He selectively, you know, doled that out. But he was the father of no one, but the father of everyone. He adopted or cared for so many children in, a, in like a real tiger mom, helicopter mom kind of way. And so I did enjoy getting to know those parts of him. Alexis Coe is our guest, presidential historian and author of You Never Forget Your First, a biography of George Washington. We've covered the first president. What about some of the other presidents? What are some of your favorite anecdotes? You're at the cocktail party. Someone says, oh, you're a presidential historian. Uh, what are some of the anecdotes you save for those times? Oh, I have so many. Um, th that's sort of my favorite time because my thing with presidential history is you leave the research and the facts up to me. I want you to just repeat these stories at parties. One of the things I was thinking about today is FDR used to call isolationists shrimpies because he felt that they had no spine. You know, they had like just nerve, no spine, no brain, um, bottom feeders, and they just were parasites. Um I think another story that I, I really love, um, I love any sort of story about an evolution that was unexpected. So a name you probably never talk about, Chester A. Arthur. Yes, he, I, I he, never bring him up. Not often. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's unfortunate, but he ascended to the presidency after Garfield was assassinated. And nobody expected anything good. He was known for being a, you know, a corrupt New Yorker, and he earned that reputation for sure. But he got to the office and he realized this is different. 
I must rise to the occasion. He cut off everyone who was just trying to seek a deal from him. Roscoe Conklin, this, you know, a great name, was one of these guys you did not cross. He immediately crossed him and showed it could be done, sort of like standing up to Putin. It can be done. And then he reformed civil service, which doesn't sound very exciting, but it is if you don't want a corrupt government. And so I think that's pretty fun. And then I always add, he owned 80 pairs of pants. Oh, wow. Why is what? <laughs> How does that become no a thing? Yeah, right. A lot. It's an overwhelming. You're like, but what about the tops? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So Chester A. Arthur obsessed with pants. Okay. And civil service reform. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can't leave that out. Alexis, thank you so much. Presidential historian and author of "You Never Forget Your First: A Biography of George Washington." Thank you for spending time with us on this President's Day. Thank you. All right. Remember that, Jay, for the next cocktail party. 80 pair of pants. Who, who owned 80 <laughs> pair of pants? Chester A. Arthur. Back on the Heidi Glaus Show with Josh Gilbert. Heidi out today. Jay Delsing is filling in. And Jay, the temp tag issue that's going on here in st louis and the whole state of missouri i wonder you know what i'm talking about people driving around on expired license plates yep. they've got temp tags that say you know 2020 on them and we all kind of see people post them on facebook look how old this one is and the question is why are they still driving around and why haven't they been pulled over and ticketed for this is this something that's happening in other states is this a, a missouri kind of specific issue to the people in Illinois. What it makes me wonder, Josh, is this, is it something that is just continually falls uh, between the cracks with our, you know, if you, if you think about it, you get, I mean, we've all had those paper, basically it's a paper license plate that, that either goes in the back window or somewhere until we either get fully registered or it comes in the mail, whatever, whatever. But I wonder if that if there's some procedural thing that just doesn't get checked here. And well, I'll I'll tell you what happened to me. Uh, I my wife brought this to my attention because I'm oblivious to it. My Kia that I bought from Darren at HW Kia, driving around on it for almost six months with an expired license plate. And, you know, it came up in June, and I finally got around to fixing it in January. So that's about, you know, six months or so of driving. Because the little card that was supposed to be sent to my house after I talked to the state of Missouri, it was sent to my old address. Mm. So I made them update that in my system. So I didn't get the reminder, I'm not on top of it, okay? All right, six months later, I got it taken care of. I got the exception and this and that. I went to the city. I went to this. We're good. We're good to go. All right. If I would have been pulled over in that time period, ticket me. That's my fault. Right. But there's people driving around for a year, two years, three years on these temp tags or just no license plates at all. There is a measure from someone, uh, Rep. Gretchen Bangert from Florissant. She is saying that she wants to make it in Missouri that for anyone to work, in a, uh, a body shop or a, 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 to fix these cars, mechanics, for mechanics to be able to work on these cars and fix them up, 
they have to be properly licensed mm. or else mechanics would be barred by law from working on these cars. So you got an expired temp tag and I don't know if you need your oil changed. Yeah. Would if that count here? What if you're a collector, you know, and you're a, a car collector and you have, <clears throat> you want to get some work done on something. Does it have to be licensed? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that works. But this would be a measure because she says up in her area. She, this is her quote: "In our area now, they don't even bother to get temporary tags. They just drive around with no license plates at all." Well, and this is she's in Florissant. I, I wonder. You know, it'd be interesting to hear what law enforcement says about it. Is there is there just too much going on that you know that they can't keep up with it in in some of the tougher areas, but. You know, hell, I live in Creve Corps. I mean, the policemen are getting cats out of trees. You know, there's just not right. a whole lot going on over there uh, well, in most of the areas. Over in St. Charles, where I live, uh, they've kind of thrown the gauntlet down and said, if you see an expired temp tag, take a picture of it, and here's a Dropbox, email it to us. Huh. We We want to know. And they said that they weren't going to do anything yet. But they're going to compile a list of all these temporary tags. And I think what they said is they're going to go through every one of them and just see, is this someone that forgot to right. renew their license plate? Or is this somebody that's actively trying to skirt by without paying their sales how tax? Many, how many folks do you think we're talking about here? Because I'm, I'm so guilty of, I'm behind my wheel, Josh. I'm like, what? You know, I'm between the lines for the most part and staying, but I don't pay attention to stuff like that before uh i don't really either but then i see people on on facebook that post hey look how old this was and so now i kind of when i see a temp tag yeah. out there i want to look and say oh is that a, is that an old one some people are texting why do you care somebody's saying uh you know if if it, they're riding on temp tag then they'll get in trouble when they get pulled over well i mean if i have to pay you know personal property tax or if i have to pay sales tax then i would like to think that everyone else should too, because obviously the taxes go to something. Yep. And why do I have to put in? When well, and other he, people a couple don't? other folks on the on text line are saying, you know, they make it so expensive to get the plates, but if you don't pay your personal property tax, you're not going to get them. Other yeah. measures going through the house right now would be to make it a payment plan to pay these off, which that is, you know, that would be helpful too, because these are big bills to pay, and that's probably why most people aren't paying them who have temp tags. It is top of the hour, Jay. ABC News is next. Our headlines on a Monday, February 19th. Jay Delsing filling in for Heidi today. Heidi took off to watch the Blues lose, unfortunately. Uh, It is President's Day. And Jay, Ozempic users... Cut their grocery bills by up to 9%. Ozempic, obviously one of those drugs that people are using to lose weight. From what I can tell, uh, the way it works is it uh, cuts your craving for food. It's a diabetic. It's made for folks with diabetes initially, right? And they say, I'm just not as hungry as I used to be, which makes sense that your bill would be 9% I've got a couple of buddies that I've noticed uh, they've lost a considerable amount of weight, and they just don't eat like they used to. 
And uh, I've seen it working uh, on people that I know. And you see the Hollywood stars who have obviously, every time I see someone who's lost a bunch of weight, I elbow my wife. Hey, you think they're, they've yeah. been doing Ozempic? Remember, it used to be, you wonder if they had their, you know, the stomach surgery. Yeah. 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 But it's, uh, I mean, Oprah's even out with it saying, I'm doing it just for a quality of life thing. Uh, I'm sick of fighting uh, my weight loss, but it looks like your grocery bills go down by about 9%. Now I'm thinking about doing Ozempic just to save at the grocery store. Right. You know, <laughs> maybe it's with inflation being what it is, maybe I'll do it as a cost savings measure. All right. So down in Florida at a prep Christian school called Liberty Christian Prep, a mom had a fans-only page sticker on the back of her Mercedes-Benz. Apparently, this mom had a fan-only page. Only fans. Only fan page. Yeah. And another mom got wind of this sticker and was put off. Mm-hmm. So the, the upset mom reached out to the school. The school said, you can't drive that car here anymore. If you're going to drive it, you're going to park over yonder, over here, and that's where it started. This is where it ended. The mom that um, has the um, the page had both of her kids expelled. The mom who complained, she has two kids. The mom that complained has six children. They all got expelled. And a, and a couple other kids that were uh, participants and had seen the pages um, were expelled. The mom had been on television and said things like, Look, we have barrier walls here, to, you know, to check IDs and things like that for before, and you have to pay, you know, to see her her material. And nine kids wind up getting expelled from a Christian school. Was she advert? She was advertising it. She had a sticker on the back of her window that said, "Hey, visit my." Oh my! So and when she was around. picking up the kids, so she at a Christian it. school. Yeah, she's picking up the kids, and it's just a sticker on the back window, and. Yeah. Oh my! Nine kids got expelled. The kids getting expelled though. Does that make any sense to you? It's not their fault. You just tell them. <laughs> tell the parents to start acting the way you want them to act, right? What do the kids? What do the kids do to deserve? This? And I guess the uh, the the protection, you know, to keep you know underage eyes off of that from from a paying standpoint, that that didn't work because the kids that had seen the pages, at least that admitted it, all got expelled. I guess this is just the brave new world that we live in where anyone can have uh, a page like this. You you need to advertise, I guess, and put it on the back of your car window. How that weird just... is it, though, to think that my buddy Joey over here's mom's got an explicit page? I, see, I don't know. And when it comes to the, the OnlyFans teachers, which that's a thing now. Uh, yeah. Fortunately or unfortunately, the that's, thing that you have invented. Oh, she's an OnlyFans teacher. It's it's enough of an of an epidemic mm. that it's got its own name now. Um, you know, when it comes to when the kids find out about it, that's when the cat's out of the bag. Right, and and I think that that's a, that's an issue. But if this mom's driving around town advertising it. You know, hey, she's Billy, married. Her husband's on board. This is all part of their. Can thing. we come play at your house today? Yeah. <laughs> is your mom gonna be there? 
it is President's Day today, and a lot of people are off work. Uh, it became a uniform holiday in 1971. It was originally Washington's birthday. And Jay, you're not you're not that old. Do you remember? I'm 100 years old. 63. <laughs> do you remember it being Washington's birthday? Oh, I do. Do you? Yeah, I do. I do. It was um, anything, Josh, that got us out of school. We were four. Yeah. yeah. On and Google the- earlier, I, I looked something up, a store, and it said hours might be affected by Washington's birthday. Because right. it, it used to Not be. Not President's Day. The right. holiday was Washington's birthday. Uh, they turned it into President's Day. It's a patriotic holiday. And unlike the 4th of July, we're probably not going to have backyard barbecues. But it's a chance to be patriotic. And as you'll find out later in this hour, also a chance to maybe buy a new mattress for a good price. But here are some stats. Census data from 2020. There are 94 places in the United States named Washington. There are 72 places. Washington, Missouri. Right. There are 72 places in the United States named Lincoln. Lincoln, Missouri? Is there a Lincoln, Missouri? How can there be 94? Are there multiple cities in each state named Washington? There's got to be, right? Cities, counties, and towns. So I don't know how that plays out. And 67 places named for Andrew Jackson, who was a controversial president uh, himself, but he's got 67 places, cities, towns, and counties named after Andrew Jackson. Like Jacksonville? Is that, oh, that counts. Does that count? Yeah. Right? There Jackson could be a County. Jackson, Florida, and yep. a Jacksonville, Florida, I guess. Jackson County, Washington yep. County, Washington Mo. Is there a Lincoln County? Yeah, yeah. there's a Lincoln yeah. County. Yeah. So, all Absolutely. right, there we go. We we are tracking. I got it. We got a text that said, um, "Are the parents still together?" And yeah, they're happily married together down there. That was our last story. Our my next story is speaking of present, former, and maybe future. Donald Trump went to a thing called SneakerCon yesterday. Oh, I saw this. And he is selling stuff. Yeah. Why he's selling stuff? Well, I don't know. He's had, it's had a couple of rulings go against him, but anyway, he needs cash. He's selling these gold never surrender high top tennis shoes. That um, man, I don't know. They call this the greatest sneaker show on earth, and they're shiny gold with an American flag, and they would kind of look. You and I were talking about this off the air. They kind of look like something. Donald Trump would design bright, bright gold, <laughs> big American flag for three hundred ninety nine dollars. There's a, a big, big T on yep. them. The big there T there on were the one thousand pairs, guys, that sold out in a heartbeat. Sold out really fast. But there's you on the, on the website. You can also buy these. They have a low top version. Those have not sold out yet. He, um, uh, Donald Trump is also selling a Victory forty seven cologne for a hundred bucks. And here's where it kind of gets interesting. Someone bought a pair of these high tops yesterday and got uh, Mr. Trump to sign them, put them on eBay, and they sold today for $9,500. Oh, $9,500. He he flipped them. He flipped them. That's a good flip right there. How about that? One day day and you picked up $8,500. I think that uh, Donald Trump, a good businessman, would appreciate that kind of... Do you think he split it with with Donald? No. Do you think they went in on the the flip together? Here, I'll sign it and we could split the proceeds. (laughs) Got to raise money. I think it's possible. Big campaign coming up. Uh, The shoes. You can look them up online, see what Donald Trump... Again, you could probably just imagine 
what the Donald Trump sneakers would look like. Have Very you ever bright been into gold. a Trump Tower or anything Trump related? I haven't. Okay, I, you know, so we almost he, stayed at the place in Chicago, and then Trump Tower has great deals in Vegas. Yep. That he's got the gold tower it, out there. It's so interesting because a lot of he's into golf now, so he owns quite a few country clubs and Turnberry over in Scotland and some really cool places, but he's made them so ornate. So I went and played um, one of his courses in Florida and it reminded me of a library. It was marble and there were pictures of him that are almost the whole wall. They're just spectacular, you know, well, and I'm temples, like, temples to Trump. Oh, that's a golf course, man. Where's <laughs> a, you know, where's the driving range? So um, it, um, it's, it's, it's kind of kind of interesting that I now I do want to go in and just kind of see what what Donald Trump's take on the golf course of the traditional country club would look like. It is 418 coming up next. We have Rustin Dodd. He is the author of Kingdom Quarterback Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs and how once swinging Cowtown chased the ultimate comeback. Are we living through the greatest of all time? Will Patrick Mahomes go down? as overtaking possibly Tom Brady for the title of GOAT. So a book that came out last summer, uh, I believe, it was talking about Patrick Mahomes. He had just won another Super Bowl. And uh, the title of the book, Kingdom Quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, and how a once swinging cowtown chased the ultimate comeback. Rustin Dodd is the co-author of the book. Welcome to the show. And another Super Bowl to add to his collection. Uh, well, thank you for having me. And yeah, you know, I, I think uh, when we, we started uh, working on the book, uh, the Chiefs had won one Super Bowl at the time, but I, I think that was kind of what we all expected that they were going to win more. So it's just so happened it's been the last two seasons. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's also not the last for sure. And Rustin, you're originally from Kansas City, right for the Athletic Now um, big Chiefs fan. Were you at the parade uh, last week? No, no, I, I don't live in Kansas City full time uh, these days, and I, I wasn't back uh, last week. Okay, but well, we all were very not only angry uh, but just saddened by everything that happened uh, last week. So uh, I just well, wanted yeah, to make sure you. that you guys were okay. Um, when it comes to the Patrick Mahomes story, we look at it and we say, wow, you know, when you start putting the numbers up and you, the comebacks that he's done and he's already got three Super Bowls and he's only been in the league for six years or so, is this the making of the greatest of all time? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> it's a good question, right? I mean, and it's a fun to think about. I think um, – He's certainly on pace. And, you know, I, I think the very much like the Michael Jordan and LeBron thing, you know, it, can Patrick Mahomes win seven Super Bowls? I think the odds are against him, right? I, I think he's going to win more. And um, he's, you know, you know, four, five, six, you know, but like equaling Tom Brady with seven, I, that's, I mean, like you could run back a career, you know, 10 times and it's like the best case scenario and it, you don't even get seven. So, then I guess the question is, well, what does he have to do uh, to be considered the greatest of all time without those seven Super Bowls? And I think that's a possibility for him. But I think, like, I just think it's we're still kind of in the, you know, that first phase of his career. If he has another six seasons, like he had his first six with another three rings, um, obviously uh, he's going to stay on that pace, right? Um, but I, I also I, I think that 
I kind of think about it like this. I, I don't think anybody's ever played the position of quarterback at a higher level than Patrick Mahomes. Um, but he obviously does not have the resume of Tom Brady now, obviously through, you know, six seasons of starting. Um, and he, he may never have it uh, in a lot of ways. So I think you can just sort of appreciate him for what he is, but also realize that maybe he is, you know, the best quarterback of all time in one sense, in the sense that nobody's ever maybe been better at him at their peak. Um, but then, you know, the, the other questions about, you know, longevity and resume, I, I, you know, that debate, I think is still kind of worth, we're still having that debate. Rustic longevity in that league is really something that, you know, can, one play can end a, a, a player's career, unfortunately. Um, one of the other things to consider in a salary cap league is that you've really got to have a lot of buy-in from others and a, a lot of strategy in nowadays NFL to keep a, a team competitive while staying under the cap. And you got to remember, Tom Brady took a lot of salary hits in order to, uh, you know, to, to make the Patriots what they were. Yeah, I mean, I think the last two seasons, no team, the Chiefs had the highest uh, percentage of their cap towards a quarterback uh, to win a championship. If, you know you know what I'm saying. I didn't say that very clearly, but the, in the last two years. Um, so you, you just have never seen teams put this much into a quarterback and still win championships. And so the Chiefs have proven that they can do it, but they've been masters at the draft the last two to three years. You see it on their defense. Um, you know, they've been masters at, you know, trading at the right time, Tyreek Hill being the, the prime example, um, you know, and, you know, they've made mistakes too, but like they've really, really performed at a high level in the front office, you know, the last two to three years. And so the question is, okay, can you, is that sustainable? You know, like, cause you're going to have a dry spell, you know, every front office is going to miss in the draft, you know, all these things are going to happen. So right now the formula is there and I think they, they, they're primed to, you know, be the favorite next year or the year after that. But sustaining it, you know, beyond Travis Kelsey, beyond, you know, some of the other players they have, I think that's when it really does, you know, become, you know, tricky. It's like, you know, what will they look like in five or six years? Um, you know, that's, that's an open question. And one of the defining characteristics of Patrick Mahomes' play is that he looks like that kid out there with, uh, you know, ADD. He's full of energy. He's like that kid in the neighborhood that – played every sport and and was able to just keep go, 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 youthful exuberance. Does that have uh, a shelf life? How do you continue into your 30s playing like that, whereas a Tom Brady who played well into his 40s was kind of a pocket passer and, you know, we all said, oh, the league has protected him and the, they didn't really hit him too much. Can Patrick Mahomes have a career where he's just a pocket passer? You know, I love this question because I, I think a lot of people think the same way you do. I, I even thought about this too, you know, like look at Russell Wilson, for example, you know, he, he was never as good as Patrick Mahomes, but like, you know, young Russell Wilson, he's running around, he's making plays. When he lost his legs, it was like, you know, he lost everything that made him good. And so the question is like, you know, Patrick Mahomes much better than Russell Wilson, but when he loses his legs, is there like a similar drop off? And I think it's, it's an open question, but I, but I think what that misses is how good Patrick Mahomes actually is as a pocket passer. If you look at the numbers, uh, you know, he's as good from the pocket as any quarterback in the NFL. You know, he won the Super Bowl last year with, uh, you know, a, a banged up ankle and was not really moving around at all. 
So he's going to have to change how he plays. He's going to have to change sort of his identity and sort of his style. But I think he can do it. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, maybe he loses. You know, he's never kind of like, you know, peak Mahomes that he was when he was younger, but he's going to get smarter. And I think he can be kind of a pocket passer with, you know, he uses his legs really, really when he needs to. Because, you know, Tom Brady, you know, if you it's like you watch clips, people think of Tom Brady being this really, really slow guy. He would move the change with his legs, you know, when, when he had to. You know, it's not wasn't really like part of his game, but I mean, it's like when he needed to take off and get seven or eight yards, like he, he was plenty capable of doing that. Well, it's President's Day, and what are they famous for? Mattress sales and, you know, sheet sales and, and linens and things. And what better way to start a sleep week over at the New York Times and Wirecutter than the week where mattresses are the most on sale? Now, Anne-Marie Conti has joined us multiple times on this show, both for Amazon Prime Days, for Black Fridays, to tell us, what Wirecutter has found is the junk and what is actually worth going out and, and buying on the days when things are supposed to be on sale. So first and foremost, Anne-Marie, thanks for joining us again. But are mattresses really the cheapest on President's Day? First of all, I am absolutely thrilled to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Um, they are. They really are. This is a tradition. This is something that the mattress manufacturers really do lean into and it's something that we at, we at Wirecutter really lean into. We really want to make sure that people are finding the best prices on mattresses. So our commerce team has actually curated some exclusive deals as well that meet our standards because we are tracking these prices every day of the year. So we want to make sure that you are getting the best price. This is a big purchase. They're expensive. And a lot of bedding can be expensive. So we want to make sure that a deal is actually a real deal. And sleep is so important. And when we look at medical stories and health stories, they will say sleep is uh, getting good sleep is tied into good heart health and uh, good weight health. And frankly, you talk to a doctor and they say sleep is everything. And I'll just anecdotally pull stories out of the air right now. But they say that only like half or less than half of us are even getting good sleep. It's really true, and it's really unfortunate, and I think it's all tied together, right? So how you spend your days also affects how you spend your nights and vice versa. A lot of us are doom scrolling on our phones. There are some definitely some simple free tips to getting better sleep, and then there's also some products that can help you support it. So one of those is definitely get off your phone before bed. Take some time to actually relax. You don't have to fully meditate if you don't want to, but just taking some deep breaths and preparing your body for sleep can do wonders. And this is uh, Sleep Week over at the New York Times and Wirecutter. This is uh, a bunch of articles and, and stories of, of things to do for better sleep, but places to go to find the best products and everything. So uh, we'll maybe we'll find someone else to do the the pure sleep expert uh, interview because I want to I want to talk to you about the good, the bad, the weird, and the wild. Now, when we talk about wire cutter, this is something that you guys, before you even either recommend or do a review on something, you guys go out and buy these products yourself so that there is no air of impropriety here. You're not getting something for free, so you feel obligated to give a better review. You guys are, are pure and simple based on the product reviews, and that's it. 
Yes. So we have an entire team dedicated to mattresses and sleep, and then we also have a team dedicated to bedding. And so we really do, we test everything. Our hands are on everything. If we do accept a PR sample, we make sure that it is either gets donated if it's not a pick or it pulls into our long-term testing pool. Because we not only test things in the immediate, we test them for a long time. And that also means we want reader feedback. So if there's a product that our readers say, we think you missed the mark here. We want to hear how and why so that we can incorporate that into our coverage. And you'll look at reader reviews or, or user reviews. You'll go on to a website and someone will say, I bought this product and I give it five stars. And then you'll read the review and they say, well, I haven't taken it out of the box yet, but I'm in love with it. Five stars. And it's like, well, that's not a review. You haven't even used the thing yet. So it also kind of gets me when someone says, oh, I've been using it for a week and it's the best. Sometimes you don't find the bugs and the pitfalls of a product until you've been using it for a month. That's really true. And everyone on our staff uses and owns wire cutter picks. So we really do use each other for feedback as well. I, for one, uh, two sleep weeks ago, I finally bit the bullet. I bought myself a Lisa hybrid mattress and I have not regretted it for a minute. I found our guide to be super accurate, and it's really been helpful for me in getting better sleep. All right. So what's the mat- – my first question, I, I guess, when it comes to mattresses, does it really make a difference in how good of sleep we get based on what mattress we're on? It's really important, but it's also really individual. So I can tell you that I love the Lisa mattress, but you may not. And that's why we have so many guides, and they are awfully – nuanced because we really do want people to dig into the research with us a little bit and say, hmm, do I need something that has um, inner spring? Do I need something that is a little bit different? Do I sleep hot? Do I sleep cold? So there's a lot of individuality that comes into this. And so that's why we have such abundance of coverage around this topic. And when you say Lisa mattress, that's L-E-E-S-A, Lisa. That's that's correct. It's one of our top selling mattresses. We um, have recommended it for a long time and it actually will be on sale again for this sleep week. Um, And I yeah, I have found and my husband prefers a firmer mattress. And he said, you know what, let's pick the one that you really feel like is going to work for you. And he has also loved it. So even though his this mattress might be a tad soft for him, he's been really happy with it as well. And when it comes to mattresses, uh, springs, the memory foam, what are they making them out of these days? <laughs> there's there's a lot of different techniques now, and it is not just the traditional springs, inner springs that you may remember from decades ago. So there is a lot of different materials, and I think a lot of the issues of Some of the mattresses sleeping too hot with foam have really been resolved by having these hybrid technology mattresses where there's inner springs, but there's also foam. So it gives you the best of both worlds. And this Lisa thing that you're talking about, what's that? That's that's a hybrid mattress. So that's one where I felt like it was balanced. We had an inner spring mattress prior to that, and um, it, it, it sank eventually, right? It got a little too, there were like divots in it by the time it was ready to be, you know, tossed out the door. Sure. What about bedding? What about pillows? So we really do. There are some inexpensive bedding picks that we truly love. But if you are going to invest in bedding, now is the time because it is cheaper. And we have a Brooklinen comforter that I have been coveting 
I might bite the bullet this time. It's normally $370, and it's about $100 off right now at Brooklinen. And so I might just have to do it because it is warm and fluffy and lightweight. It is a down comforter, so if you have allergies, it's not the pick for you. And we do have alternatives. But for me, I've been looking at it for a little while, and I think it might be time. And when it comes to pillows, is it down pillows? Is it the Tempur-Pedic pillows? What's the best one these days? You know, they also make pillows out of memory foam as well. So it really depends if you're a side sleeper, a back sleeper, you're a stomach sleeper. So there are a lot of different options for, just like with mattresses, there are a lot of different options. I actually had a neck issue earlier this year, and so I tried a memory foam issue, and as that has resolved, I've gone back to a, a softer pillow hmm. because I don't need as much support anymore. Yeah. I like a, a good flat pillow and a good firm mattress. Uh, that's that's great. That is, I mean that that sounds a little bit like my worst nightmare, but that's why everybody's different. <laughs> well, with these down pillows, <laughs> Anne Marie, you put your head in it, and both sides come up and they start to suffocate you. So, and then you're picking, you know, little quills out of your hair in the morning. <laughs> you look like a cartoon character. Yeah. And then when it comes to traditional bedding, because I want to get into the non-traditional, you've uh, reviewed some really wacky ideas on, on how to get better sleep. But for the traditional stuff, anything else we're missing? Mattress, bedding, pillows, anything else? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think you really want to make sure that your full environment is accommodated. So you want a dark, cool room. And so think about light blocking shades that can also help with the temp of how you sleep too. So you might want a lighter linen sheet as opposed to something that's a little bit warmer and also swapping your sheets out seasonally is not a bad idea because sometimes people don't do that. And in the winter, you might want something that's a little more cuddly and in the summer you want something that sleeps a little cooler. Yeah. We put, uh, we just took the flannel sheets off. So yeah. uh, hoping that the weather holds as it turns here, what about the wacky sleep products out there? Are there, uh, I've seen this mouth tape. Oh, right. We actually talked about testing mouth tape this year. I was going to test it myself for sleep week and we pulled the plug on it because I talked to my colleagues over at New York times. Well, um, our health desk and they really don't recommend it. And it wasn't something that we felt that we could fully test because it's not something that we can recommend to most people. Sure. That makes sense. Any like uh, AI helmets or something these days? <laughs> we, you know, I know that sleeping on a plane can be a real problem for a lot of people. And so we had somebody test a, it is truly wacky. It's called the Pluto pod travel pillow and it looks like an astronaut's helmet. And so it goes over your eyes, it wraps around your neck, around your head. You can only see your nose and mouth and it's supposed to, just like a good sleep environment at home, it's supposed to block out the light and the noise so that you can rest on a plane. Well, believe it or not, our writer found that it really worked for her, and she's not somebody who normally sleeps on planes. The issue is, of course, it's a little pricey. It's about 150 bucks. So if you're not a frequent traveler, if you're not somebody who normally needs to sleep on a plane, you can do better with just a neck pillow and a good eye mask and maybe some headphones. But in this case, um, for her, it really surprised her and she was able to do a red eye and actually feel refreshed in the morning. Yeah, I would say the problem is the price and you look ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. 
I've got an eye mask at home, and if I try to take a nap during the day when uh, my son Finn is sleeping, you know, when he sleeps, I sleep. And mm-hmm. uh, at night, if I can't get to bed, maybe I'll throw the eye mask on. But the the one that I have is just one I got from uh, an overseas airline flight that I kind of took with me, and I've kept it ever since. Have they updated the eye mask since, uh, you know, uh, Mrs. Brady uh, from the Brady Bunch days? <laughs> If that eye mask works for you, I want you to keep it because we do not want people buying products unnecessarily. But if you use a traditional eye mask and you don't like having that fabric against your eyelids, we have a pick that is also ridiculous looking but is amazing. It's called the Nidra Deep Rest Eye Mask, and it looks like a bra. And it has cups that are over you can picture what i'm saying right it has cuts over your eyes so that when your eyelids flutter at night they don't touch the fabric and so people that get bothered by the fabric against their skin don't have to worry about it so you know it's about 25 bucks it's not a huge investment and if it's going to block out that light for you especially in the morning as the morning light often comes through the windows um, it can really be effective. And that's one of those things I, I can totally see someone being neurotic enough to say, oh, I don't want anything touching my eyelids while I sleep. Um, but I, I'm having trouble trying to explain this to my wife when she discovers this in my <laughs> in my nightstand drawer. What is this? Oh, no, you think it's a bra, but it's not. Oh, it's just Tell my her. it's just my eye mask. It was invented by an insomniac, so it is it is the perfect solution for this. And you know, it doesn't have hooks in the back, so you should you might be able to get right. away with it. Or I won't even buy one. I'll just go into her, one of her drawers and get one of hers out. Um, <laughs> what about the eye massage goggles? Okay, so this has been going viral. It's been trending, and we were very very curious. Also, an expensive product, an investment. They're around two hundred dollars. We tried the TheraBody, and um, they're called the TheraBody Smart Goggles, and they run about 200 bucks. and they're made by the same people that make the TheraGun, you know, the massage gun oh, that yeah. um, has been pretty popular. I've, I've, so we'll, these, we'll come back to that because I do want to ask you a question about those guns, but okay. this, this massages um, yeah, so your... This, it's a, <laughs> it almost looks like a pair of ski goggles, so it's that size, and it goes over your eyes, and it has warmth and massage around your eyes. It's supposed to relax you at night. It's, um, it, can, it can be used at any time during the day. But it can really, the claim is that it will help improve your sleep by relaxing that area around your face. There's also an associated app. And our tester really found that it did help, especially because when you have a pair of goggles on your face, you cannot doom scroll on your phone. So if you're using it before bed, it really puts you into that mindset. She ultimately came away and said, you know what, for $200, I don't know if it's worth the investment for most people. It might be something that's good, again, if you travel a lot and need to sleep in hotel rooms and need a way to wind down in an unfamiliar place. But for most people, probably not worth it. Yeah, but for you, you you said on the email that you sent me earlier, I, oh, think, I, I'm, I, mean... I think I'm in love, <laughs> I think is what you said. Yeah, for 200 bucks, I'm definitely buying it for myself. <laughs> Um, But I don't want to encourage anyone else to buy anything that they don't feel like they fully need. But for me, I get headaches. I also big doom scroller over here, spend a lot of time on the Internet. 
And so for me, it feels like something I kind of want to do you, snap up. Do you sleeping with headphones on, sleeping with AirPods in or earbuds in, sleeping with goggles on your head? Once you roll over, Anne Marie, <laughs> that's it. So is is this something that you just put on to relax, and then when you're ready to fall asleep, you take it off? Yes. So for for those for that eye mask, it's bit, it really does look like a pair of ski goggles. So that's something you're just using for 15 minutes. You're prepping for bed, or you're using it in the middle of the day if you're feeling particularly stressed, or you feel a headache coming on. Um, but you said headphones, and I really do not want you sleeping in headphones. What I want you sleeping in are sleep headphones. So we have two picks. We have one. <laughs> I've been trying to to invent or find this product for years. They make them now? The people at Acoustic Sheet beat you to it. I am so sorry. Um, but it's basically a cloth. It looks like a headband. And it it's not like earplugs or earbuds. So it goes around your head, and you can stream any audio, audio you want into them. So if you want to listen to a podcast, if you want anything with Bluetooth, you can just stream it right into those headphones, and you can fall asleep with them, and it's much, much more comfortable. But we is, also have – go ahead. Is that something where my partner is going to hear the audio? They shouldn't. There should not be a ton of bleed of sound between the two, depending also on, you know, I don't know how loud you're listening to stuff. But it really shouldn't, and it should allow you – we actually really recommend these for people who have opposite sleep schedules. So – I write an advice column here at Wirecutter, and um, the column that I wrote for this sleep week was about people who work an overnight shift and might have to go to bed while their partner's already in bed. And so setting both partners up for success is really important, and that's when you might really need the gadgetry, sound machines, sleep headphones, eye masks, all of that, to really make sure that both partners who are sleeping in the same bed are getting the best rest possible. All right. Anne-Marie Conti from uh, Wirecutter, New York Times, always joins us with uh, the best new things and to let us know, is it worth it? And when it comes to the eye massage goggles, it's worth it for her. So she's probably going to pull the trigger on that. Before we let you go, I want to thank you and uh, the New York Times and Wirecutter for doing Sleep Week. And we can jump online. Are we going to get stuck behind a paywall or can we view Wirecutter without having to have a, a subscription to New York Times? You can view, I believe, up to 10 stories. So you should be able to get through most of it. And um, you don't, you know, if you have a subscription, even better. It helps support our journalism. But um, you should be able to read all the Sleep Week stories you need to um, just just by just without subscribing. And then one final question before I let you go. Thank you again for joining us. Do they still make waterbeds? <laughs> they do. And the only reason I know that, we go back to doom scrolling, is I saw a TikTok of a guy who owns a waterbed uh, store in Boston, Massachusetts. Apparently, the technology is better. You know what? Maybe we should test them. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do it next year for 2025's <laughs> Sleep Week. Anne-Marie Conti, thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Heading into the 5 o'clock hour, Jay Delsing filling in for Heidi today. Heidi took the day off, but we've got another hour left for you. Ben Fred's going to join us. 
And we're getting in the way back machine, Jay. Did you own a waterbed? My sister. My, I had three older sisters. My youngest sister, the youngest of the three, Moochie did. Yeah, in our basement. We'll talk to the listeners and see if they owned one, too. 84126 on the text line. Or you can call us, 931-5877. And now, and now the, the top, top five, five at five. 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 News five. from around the room. Doing the top five today, Jay Delsing filling in for Heidi. And I asked people before we went to commercial break, uh, do you, did you sleep on a waterbed? Do you remember the waterbeds? Jay, your sister had one. And uh, I know that uh, we had a friend of the family that had one. I think my brother had one for a minute now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, on the text line, nothing like the 70s waterbeds, amazingly comfy. I don't remember that. And someone (laughs) said, Josh, you're ringing my bell today. We have a soft-sided waterbed that we've slept on our entire marriage almost 50 years. That's cool. 50 years of marriage is cool, too. 50 years on a waterbed. Now, is there a difference between a soft-sided waterbed? And when I think of waterbed, I think of the big bladder. Yeah. You, with with like wooden side art that's wooden exactly sides. what we had in the basement to have wooden sides and then the and then you just we ran the hose through the window through the basement down the thing and right into this little and you lay on it yep. and it goes Ooh. yeah there's waves and it, yep. yep this kind of looks like you got a mattress bed on top of where the water goes of the water oh okay. so you put a mattress on top of the water well it's not, I don't think it's a full mattress I think it's Instead of like instead of springs, I think I think they replaced the springs with water. With water, but there's wow. still that you know the soft part that you sleep on. That's not springs. That's the soft part. Okay, all right. Well, water beds. That's the topic of the of the day and the the rest of the hour. Do you remember your water bed? Did and hey, you own Josh, they come in California King. So that I've been telling everybody, right up your, right up your I'm looking love. for something bigger than a king. Have you had? Have you? I I have a California King. Do you? It's still not quite. Big enough? No, it's well, not quite big Jay, enough. Jay, they make bigger ones. We've, we we've, looked, we've, we've looked into this. What's I, your call? So <laughs> I went down to the lake, and we stayed at this house, and the bed was so wide. I, I have got a king at home. And I'm like, a California king is longer, right? Uh, and I was I, like, what? It might be wider. It might just be I wider. I think it's wider and shorter. I, California, get it backwards. I California it, king is wider. Wider. It's just marginally shorter. At the, and Yeah. I think that's it. But you know what's weird is that you have to get the right sheets. It it gets they fit weird. Kind of goofy. Yeah, yeah, it gets it gets weird. Uh, yeah. The other ones were the Alaskan King. There's a Wyoming King. Wyoming King. They're all bigger. So yeah, I want the whole room to be bed. If you need, I, I, if you need something bigger, I, I, I if I had my brothers, go, go ahead and look for that. You know, I, know, is, I love it. What does Shaq sleep on? You know, right. give me that. There's bed. a there's a Texas King. I just had everything in Texas is bigger. I just had Adam Wainwright on my show, and I got to interview him. And I he's six seven, and I wanted to ask him, but we ran out of time. And, and I mean, when um, you go around, how tall are you, Jay? Six five. Six five. Yeah. When you go to uh, travel, even today, yeah. uh, diagonal, Josh. Are sky, you serious? I always sleep. Yep, diagonally. Yep. Like, did Adam, when you talked to Wayno, did he say that when they bum I around meant to these to hotels, ask him and I did, but I know he does because they stay at. Really, not way nicer places, but they don't have. They don't, they don't have, have a big, especially made mattresses. No, no way. 
Mm-mm. You have to sleep diagonally. Diagonally. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, what does your wife think about that? Yeah. <laughs> where, where Probably am I not too much. To we're not married anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that was the reason. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, all right. Well, I'll kick us off, Jay. You know how this works. Top yeah, five and five. Absolutely. News from around the room. Girl Scout cookies. I oh. did, have you seen them out? No, but I've I've never met a cookie I don't like. Really? I'll ask you what your favorite is in just a second. But I saw them for the first time this past weekend. You know, it was uh, a troop dad was on the side of the road with the stop sign saying, come get your Girl Scout cookies. I don't remember what grocery store they were out in front of. I haven't done it yet. But it is Girl Scout season, Girl Scout cookie season. It generally occurs for six to eight weeks each year between January and April. So that's exactly where we are now. Uh, I don't know if it is, uh, you know, like hunting season, if you have to, you know, buy a a license between now and then. But uh, apparently some scout troops will sell them uh, as early as September, which that doesn't make any sense to me. where can you buy them? Well, at your local grocery stores or out front of at least or out front of the Target or Walmart. You can order them online, and they will even ask you on the site, what's your zip code, to know who to give the money to. Oh, cool. They'll find your local Girl Scout troop uh, if you buy them online. I think the whole fun of it, though, is to make make the girls work for it yeah. and you know give you the sales pitch and, and try to convince you, uh, give those – those puppy dog eyes, please, sir, will you buy my cookies? I know. Um, they used to bake their own sugar cookies and sell them door to door. They don't do that anymore, but that was what they used Ooh. to do in the 30s. I'm a Thin Mint guy. I love the Thin Mints in the freezer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They should have on the box of yeah. freeze. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, freezing yeah. immediately. Yeah. Uh, there are two bakeries that make Girl Scout cookies in America, Little Brownie Bakers, which is a subsidiary of Keebler. And then ABC Smart Cookies. And depending on what part of the country you live in, your cookies might have a different name. Uh, for instance, the my favorite is the Tagalong. But in certain parts of the country, depending on which makers make it, they're called peanut butter patties. How many can you eat at a sitting? So we're on a we're on a diet. The whole Jay. box, though, right? I mean, we're some of those diet. some of those only have like fifteen could, cookies in them. But I man, I could down. I could eat a sleeve of oh, yeah. tagalongs yeah. easy. No I don't problem. even have a sweet tooth. Mm. Uh, so here's the list. Here's the 2024 lineup: Thin Mints, Samoas, Tagalongs, which is the crunchy cookie with the layer of peanut butter, and then dip the whole thing in chocolate. Trefoils, which is the shortbread cookies, probably the most boring of them all. Dosey Doughs, which is a peanut butter sandwich. Adventure Fools, which is the chocolate brownie cookie that they just came out with not too long ago. There's a box back there in the office. I know. That I don't know how long it's been there Who's for. Whose office? Where? It, they're here. I we think they've been, there for, they've been there for at least a year, Jay, so you got to be careful. They might have been there for two years. Caramel chocolate chip, which is gluten-free. Lemonades, which is lemon iced shortbread cookies. Lemon Ups, which is a lemon cookie with inspirational messages printed mm. on it. Girl Scout S'mores. Toast Yay, icing dip French toast flavored cookies. I think those are new. And then Toffee Tastics. And so, they got rid of the raspberry one. Oh, yeah. That was, everyone went crazy. That was the for new one last year. year. The raspberry one. Hmm. So, as far as the best cookie flavor, Thin Mints, Tagalongs, and Samoas are always at the top three. I'm a Thin Mint guy. Okay, so I've Girl got. Girl Scout season. I do love Samoas. Interesting story here. 
um, a financial advisor. She works for the New York Times magazine called The Cut. Her name is Charlotte Coles. She was somehow convinced to put $50,000 in cash into a shoebox and give to a perfect stranger out in front of her house who was trying to act like, and obviously did it pretty well, a CIA undercover agent. So here's what happened. This woman, and and hats off to her for being brave enough to report this oh, thing that she fell for. I mean, $50,000 is a hell of a lot of money. But she was called by um, a gentleman who uh, was pretending to be an Amazon uh, worker and said, that there's been a problem with her account and he needed to uh, connect her to an FTC agent who then informed her that there were warrants out for her arrest in Texas, Maryland, and a couple other states, said that there were rental cards found uh, that were rented under her name that were found at the border in Mexico with drugs in there, and that there were also over $3 million uh, wired into Jamaica into some foreign uh, offshore accounts under her social security number and that she was in a world of trouble. Okay. And so he convinced her to um, uh, give him $50,000 cash, which the next day she was to receive a treasury check uh, for that same amount. And she went outside of her house and in her car and handed the box of $50,000 out the window to this undercover agent. She asked the undercover agent, can I see your badge? And he said, we undercover agents are undercover. We don't carry badges. Oh, ooh, that's good. She tried to be smart. That's and she good. Got, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got yeah. me there. Yeah. Who just hands someone a box of $50,000? Oh, man, I know. I mean, at what point in time? I mean, how about what they said to her, though, the whole um cars rented under her name with drugs found them at the Mexican border and and wire transfers going to offshore accounts. And, and what is her profession by trade? She's a financial advisor. She gives financial advice, and she works for the New York magazine called The Cut. How did she Ouch. fall guilty of this? Yeah, I think the lesson of the article is, is trying to be, you know— uh, any video, you know, this could happen to anyone, yeah. you know, not just uh, the little old lady across the street, but I just can't imagine I they'd have to come and, you know, haul me down to the courthouse to give me right, right, to give, make me give up that much money. This could happen to anyone. No, no, it really can't. <laughs> it really can't. How is that possible? Oh, I, uh, that she fell, fell victim. The to worst this. part, too, is they uh, I don't know if you read this, Jay, they ask her. You know, part of the scam, they you know, we're going to close down all your accounts. How much money do you think you'd need for the next year? And she's, she says, oh, maybe about 50000 And they said, go and get that out. Oh. So the, oh, well, the amount they scammed her for was the amount she gave. You know, like she, Oh, no. <laughs> and then they tied it around a new Social Security number. I left that part out that, that she was going to give them this cash. The check would come the next day with a new Social Security number. It's kind of part of this procedure. Yeah. And when it comes to getting scammed by uh, using your credit card, yeah. even your debit card these days, the, the bank has a way of trying to reimburse you. But when you hand $50,000 mm. in cash to someone, 
You ain't he, seeing that. I just again. had That's my credit card him. hacked uh, two days ago. Someone, I got an alert that said, are you buying, I think it was shoes over in Hong Kong. Yeah. And I'm like, nah. Just no. hanging out here in St. Louis no, watching was, the snow. Mine was a little overacted. I, I was trying to buy a new phone, and they shut it down. Said, someone's trying to buy a phone on you, with your credit card. And yeah, well, that's me. Like, yeah, that, me. That was me. I'm trying to get Sorry. a new phone. Yeah, I was trying to buy those. Maybe they should shut me down because I am trying to buy right. shoes from Hong Kong. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> just go to a shoe store. Stop shopping off of Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> they look. They look good. They look fun. Uh, all right, my story is about a lawsuit. Uh, I don't think this one is very frivolous, but maybe, Josh, you kind of like these frivolous kind of lawsuits. Uh, a man last year, this was about one year ago exactly in Washington, D.C., thought he had won the Powerball jackpot, $340 million, because when he went onto the Powerball website, he saw the winning numbers on the website, and they were the numbers on his ticket. He, when he went in to bring it in to cash out, get the money, they said this was a mistake. The numbers weren't actually the winning numbers, and your ticket isn't a winner. So what happened was is they were running website maintenance, and when they were doing that, the people doing the website maintenance put up some test numbers to see if it was working oh gosh. the way it was supposed to be. And for about a day, they left up on the official Powerball website oh, no. these, these fake, not the, the non-winning numbers, under the winning numbers section, leading this man uh, to believe he had won the Powerball. He is suing them. Uh, my question is, is, if, is this frivolous or not? Um, so Because this, he didn't win. It didn't cost him anything. I mean, you but can, he did yeah. think he won. You can run, as far as I know, you can run tests on your websites without making it live. Yes. You know? Public yeah. facing. Yes, they said it was a mistake. They were supposed so they, to put it on the you know non-public side of things, and they made or whoever was doing the maintenance made a mistake. So they're going to probably be li- in our in this litigious society. They'll probably be liable for something. But how much is he suing them for? Uh, it doesn't say. I can't the imagine it's the full three hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> give me uh, half. Yeah. We'll call it a day. Yeah. Now they do say they're citing a case uh, from in the past in Iowa where they had some similar kind of problem listing some wrong numbers and they just paid out people it was not none of the none of the grand prizes though it was you know four dollars two hundred dollars and they just paid them out you know we right, said yeah, you won yeah, the yeah. one ball prize not the not all the numbers Guys, did, did, we pay them out did you see what happened in the super bowl you know how you can bet on how long the um the yes national the, anthem's gonna the be. national anthem they paid both the over and the under because it got so it did. Wonky. It did. I did because it. I, I so bet the wonky. under, Jay. So I am I am I am cued into this one. Uh, so yeah, they say that this has happened before. Uh, but if you ever go to a casino and play the slots, you know that they say malfunction means yeah. it voids the bet. You like, don't get to keep the jackpot if the machine malfunctions. The pit boss can come over and oh, this uh, this machine's malfunctioning. You didn't win the grand prize, and you know what am I supposed to do? But for this guy. Uh, sitting at home thinking that he won. I mean, go back to the broadcast where they draw all the numbers. They never drew this guy's numbers. He's right. just In mad fact, because he got excited thinking he won $300 million when he, in fact, But it is the anything. only way to check, right, Connor? There's well, no other way to check your numbers unless you go run it through a machine. Right. Or when he showed up and they ran it and they said, this isn't the winner. Uh, these aren't the numbers. Uh, 
They also say that they know these aren't the numbers because they actually got posted before the drawing. They can see when the numbers actually oh, got put yeah, up on there. Right. They said these can't be the numbers. You oh. know, the drawing was on this day mm. and this time. This was too early. It, it, Maybe this guy saw the numbers posted and went out and and picked those numbers because he thought. No, no, he bought the ticket before before mm. he saw them. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It feels a little frivolous because it, what, what yeah. harm did it cause you? You know, None. did you? You didn't lose out on any, on anything. No, but boy, talk about the emotional swing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, what the heck? Now the question is, what if you saw that and went out and put a put a big payment down on a boat or something? Well, I got it. One time, the bank gave Connor an extra thousand dollars on accident. What? It and, was actually seven thousand dollars by mistake. They How deposited it into my account when I was in college. Uh, I did spend probably about $100 of it. Uh, <laughs> How long did it take before they caught? Like one day. It was yeah. the next day. Did they call uh, you? No, no. The next day it was just out, and I was overdrawn. Oh, oh okay. It was just And then gone. they took the 100 bucks back. Yeah, and they took the 100 bucks. Yeah, so, well, at least it was only seven grand, Connor, and not $300 million. Um, A California woman is on the lam right now. She has been identified by police, and they are searching for her, Irvine Police Department. January 27th, she was captured on surveillance cameras stealing $1,800 worth of chewing gum (laughs) from a store, loaded up a cart, pushed it out to her car, and left without paying. She is suspected of committing similar gum thefts, gum thefts across Orange County, and Irvine police released her image Thursday in hopes that someone can finally wait for it. Burst her bubble. Typically, items like this will be sold on the secondary market for cash, but normally it's stuff like razors, baby formula. We see if you go into specific Walgreens yep. or CVSs, they've got the detergents behind, you know, Josh, the lock I and just key. went in and got because I was having some acid indigestion and or that something is like just, that. So that's all locked up. Yeah. But I said to the guy, I said, I want the knockoff. You know, I want the the uh, Walgreens brand. Yeah. And he goes, it's right next to it. And I go, why isn't that locked up? He goes, because no one will buy that on the secondary market. Same product. Really? Exact same. I said, so, and it's half price, Josh. The one thing is $20. The other one's 10 Same pills, same quantity, same thing. And they, they can't resell it. Here's my question. Who's buying Prilosec? <laughs> I know, right? On the on the secondary market. Like, hey, hey, you got any Prilosec? Yeah. Yeah, hey. Oh, oh, boy, I got some discount. Hey, hey, I got some got indigestion. Little, and a little tide. Are, Can you got a little tide on you? If people are that hard <laughs> up for Prilosec, why wouldn't they buy the the generic I, store I brand version? I know. Wallace Wallacec. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh cops are Curious why she decided to make her a bubblegum ring, but they have put her her likeness out there, and hopefully uh, they will catch her shortly. But, man, I didn't realize. Um, how the, much? That's got to be $1,800. Almost like two grand. Gum? Two grand in gum. How That's much is that? cases. Look, it's a whole shopping cart full. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's like, wow. who even knew the store had that much gum on them? Um, so... We'll see if she gets caught, but uh, Prilosec, I didn't even yeah. realize that. So uh, the last story, 
if you need a little extra cash, guys, you can apply to live in the NASA Mars simulator down outside of Houston, Texas at the Johnson Space Center for 12 months. It's a 3D printed Mars habitat simulator, 1,700 square feet. There'll be four people living it in there. And it's um, it's there's an acronym, CHAPIA. It's called uh, the um, Crew Health and Performance Analog and Experiment. And um, it's kind of interesting. You could call home. But there's a 20-minute delay. Oh, yeah. Because that's Both ex- ways, right? Yeah, because that's exactly how it would be if you were living in Mars. Um, how much money would you think you're going to make in something like this? So you're spending just over a full year in this simulator, 1,700 square feet, with three other people. There are some prerequisites I'll get to in a second. But they're paying... $10 per waking hour, which is about 16 of the 24 hours a day. So you're looking at about 60000 bucks for living in this thing for a year. Now, it costs them $100 million a year to maintain this Mars Facility. simulator thing. Yeah. And the overall program, they spent $2.4 billion on it. Now, you can't smoke. Okay. You got to be <laughs> figures. You got to be between <laughs> ages thirty and fifty-five. So I'm out. You have to have a master's degree in a STEM um, uh, yep. area like engineering. I'm out. Computer <laughs> science or math. Check my second box. And on uh, two years in a related field, like hundred a thousand hours of piloting an aircraft or something like that. But even if you qualified for this, would you want to do no. that? Here's the thing that they're doing this for. So, guys, I read this. It's it's interesting because they're trying to figure out what the psychological effects are going yeah, to be on yes. sticking human beings in this quasi prison, literal guinea pigs, yeah. right? Right, right. And they'll watch us, you know, through two way mirrors and yeah. stuff. Do you think you can do the radio show from Mars? From Mars, yeah, with I'm the sure. twenty just, minute delay. Just record it, and uh, you know what if we had? We callers? got a delay now. We got a we got a ten second delay. So McGraw's we can, uh, callers. Every every question <laughs> would be twenty minutes. Yeah, forty minutes. Yeah, you take the call. It. You record the callers. You send them up. You do the whole thing. Right. I think well, it if could I could work. do the radio show from there, I'd, yeah. I'd probably yeah, the only it. radio show live yeah. from Mars. Live yeah. from Mars or from the Mars simulator. Yeah. Where is it? Is it out in the desert? No, it's in it's outside of Houston at the Johnson. Um, oh yeah, that would make sense. It's called the Johnson Space Center in Houston, and it's interesting because you can go out and <clears throat> put a spacesuit on, try to get some exercise, and you're walking out in a in a closed thing that's got Mars scenery type things all yeah, across Mars the scenery. We've seen whatever Mars whatever scenery. that looks like. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but you're walking around in a bunch of red sand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'd spend the weekend there. Uh, but w- I think a weekend is about the most I could do. Is the take. most you would do? Yeah. I think I could do it. It'd full be like, year? What's, what's that show? Full, you Big got, Brother? You've got three other crew members, right? You can. Yeah, that could be a So problem. you're not alone. you got the crew. What happens, like, remember those shows, The Real World and everything? Like, when, when they would get into fights with each right. other, you would always see the producers come in. Right. And, and, what happens if you get in a fight on Mars? I think Would the, they step in? I think the right. hope is that you're, you you put aside the petty differences 
you know. Yeah, well, but for a year is a long the, time. It's for the right. greater you, good. The first right? week you You're, start off really great. Yeah, you, that's what you say the first week. <laughs> here's the other thing they're going to do to these people is they're going to um, try to mimic some of the problems that could happen to you at Mars. Right. Oh, there's a, a leak. Yeah. You know? Oh, we don't have any air right now. Yeah. Plus, the air counter. Here's another one. You've got to eat this pre-processed food. Oh, man. And, and, you, use, and you're limited the, to, like... The Mars toilet. Two thousand. Yeah, it's 2,000, some odd... It's not a lot of calories a day. Yeah. Nah. I'm saying no. I mean, is it? does it have a flavor? Is it flavorless? You know? I don't I, think yeah. it's good. Does it, it come out of astronaut tube? food? Yeah. yeah. What are we dealing yeah. with here? Yeah. Right. Dippin' dots. Yeah. Uh, oh. The uh, the astronaut ice cream that you could buy at the science center. Yeah. I, I tried thought to that get, was gross. I tried to get dippin' dots for my grandkids at the hockey game this this holiday season, and they didn't have them. They didn't have them. Really? really? Dippin' dots. Oh, I love dip. I don't even like ice cream, but I like dipping dots. I was wow. trying. I built that up, and then you know, Grandpa looked like a clown because yeah, he he's get, walking all. Maybe how about a pretzel? Maybe like, it's on no, the first floor. Where's the ice cream? <laughs> Captain Paul Kopsky, do you like dipping dots? Dots. I've actually never had dipping dots, oh, but I do oh. like ice cream. Okay. Cookies and cream. All right. They made. They probably that's the best dipping dots. Dip dots. That was the best <laughs> dipping dots. Was the cookies and cream? Oh yeah. You gotta try it, Paul. It's I very good. Sitting here with Jay Delsing. We're finishing out a Monday Heidi Glass show. Heidi has the day off. Figured we'd give Ben a call because the news came down pretty early this morning that um, uh, the Mizzou athletic director, uh, Desiree Reed Francois, is leaving after only three years and going to Arizona. And everyone's looking around the room trying to figure out what's in it for her. Ben, try to explain this to us. Yeah, guys, if you're looking at this just on the surface, it doesn't make a an absolute ton of sense on paper. Um, Arizona is in a pretty tough spot financially. they got a big budget issue. They're in kind of a slashing mode. They're leaving the Pac-12 to go to the, to the Big 12. Um, usually you don't see sitting athletic directors leave any SEC or Big Ten job for anything outside of those two kind of ultimately lead conferences right now and it's also a little bit not much but a little bit of a pay cut so usually you look at that and go huh what's going on there and i think uh, in conversations i've had today there was uh, a lot of success going on at mizzou there's a lot of uh, debate or discussion about where, where, where maybe some of that success is attributable toward um but i think ultimately what you have what it was what we've seen a lot at mizzou a, a case of uh, an athletic director and Missouri's board of curators kind of trending in different directions. Um, and we'd seen some things from Mizzou leadership that suggested they were trying to maybe get a little more involved with the athletic department. Um, in December of 2022, they financed a big study with an outside firm to kind of look at uh, ways the athletic department could do things differently. Um, and just this past month, this earlier this month, they announced a committee that was going to have more oversight of the athletic department. Those aren't usually things you see when uh, there's great kind of synergy between your campus leaders and your athletic department. So I think those were kind of early signs that uh, there was there was not a great synergy going on. And I think Desiree, who went to law school at Arizona, saw this as something that's like, well, 
if I'm not, not going to be able to do the job I, as I want to do it here, then let me go to a place that wants me and I'll take on a different challenge instead. Hey, Ben, Jay Delsing here, um, and thanks for joining us. When I think of this, you, you've you got to tip your cap to Desiree to some degree. I mean, what Drink is doing with the football team, after what, you know, this great year we just had in the, in the early, and I know it's very early rankings, but the football team is definitely trending in the right direction. And what Dennis uh, Gates has done with the basketball team this year has not been nearly as good. But last year was, you know, really good and from everything i've heard next year looks you know they they expect him to get it back she's got to get some credit for that don't you think yeah i think desiree deserves credit for a lot of things um jay i agree she i mean the the apartment just landed a big donation bigger than mizzou's ever had um now a lot of this stuff can be debated right you know how this goes it's well who really gets the credit for that or who really gets the credit for this and and i kind of you know to me if you're there in a leadership position you get the credit you get the blame and that's how it kind of should should work football had an outstanding year last year um basketball has really struggled this season i don't think that had anything to do with this um eli drinkwitz had a breakthrough year last year i'd point out jane i think this is a part of it um eli drinkwitz obviously got a big raise and extension after this football season um before this season started we all kind of knew it was a big pivotal year for Eli Eli got another contract extension um, and I was always told that that was really a curator led raise and extension for Eli Drinkwitz and that it wasn't um, something that the um, that the athletic department was was pushing for a lot that that was more the curators doing that Um, and it didn't mean that Desiree was out to get Eli or anything like that um, but I think she was kind of in a more of a wait and see mode uh, and then Eli went out and had a great season. So she didn't hire Eli Drinkwitz. She inherited him. Um, and I think that was, uh, it's always tough sometimes for an AD to find the best relationship with the coach that the AD didn't bring on. It was, it was a little different with her and Dennis Gates because she went out and made that hire. So it kind of gets down into the, 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 the weeds a little bit as to, as to how those things work. But um, I think that I think the curators are very high on Eli Drinkwitz. I think that they um, were maybe uh, a little uh, uh, disappointed. The athletic department wasn't so gung ho about the big extension before entering this season. Um, and I, I do wonder if maybe the way this football season played out um, is in some ways a part of this too. Well, they always say Ben winning cures all. So it's just weird to see that after uh, arguably the best Mizzou football season ever. Uh, that the AD is headed out of town for uh, a lesser job. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just, again, that's that's uh, just my take on it and the fact that it is the Big 12. It is a, a school that is transitioning to um, a new conference and a school that's working from a $100 million deficit. Yeah. I don't understand why you'd want to go back there. But everybody loves moving out to Arizona these days. I don't, I don't get it. Well, one of the things I've seen today was, well, she went to law school there, and, well, she was from the West Coast originally. Um, people can believe that if they choose to. That's fine. Um, I don't believe that. I, I don't think she was was would have taken this job if she didn't feel like she was able to do things the way she wanted to at Mizzou. Uh, I think this is really a story of – and this is like this is a story of as old as time, as old as time at Mizzou. Um, curators – and athletic directors have been butting heads at Mizzou since I think they built the columns. I mean, <laughs> this is the 
way that it's structured there, leadership is it, it leads to basically by design there are too many cooks in the kitchen, and it, it really is hard to get everybody on the same page. And you're right, Josh, winning does oftentimes help. Um, and and there could have been a situation where where Desiree, you know, stuck it out, and and things got all resolved. But but I do wonder if she was looking around, going, okay, if a board of curators is going to finance a study into my spending, and then they're going to create a committee that says that the athletic department needs more oversight. Then at some point you kind of look around and go, okay, I'm getting messages here that, that I may not be a long-term fit here. So if there is something that is appealing to you, like going back to a place that you had a good experience with at Arizona to tackle budget challenges, which she's shown she's very good at, she did a great job with the budget at Mizzou, then you don't blame her for, okay, maybe let me uh, make this move before – um, I may not have an option that I like as yeah. much. So that's this world. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure right now on Mizzou's president, Moon Choi, on the board of curators to go out. And we all know how this works. I think people really like Desiree. She was a- as perceptive with fans as about any AD Mizzou's had in a long time. She really improved a lot of the game day experience, things that fans had wanted to see. And she was pretty likable. It's on the it's on the curators. It's on the president to go out and nail a hire where people say, okay, um, maybe you didn't like how it went down, but they can go point to a new leader who maybe has a better chance of trying to keep uh, everybody on the same page. It's a hard thing to do at this university. Teams. Mm. All right. Well, Ben, thanks for hashing it out with us. And if you hear more, you'll let us know, I'm sure. Always. All right. Thanks. thanks Tune in tonight to the Big Sports Show starting at 6 with the Kill Coin Conversation. And then Brennan and Ben will join you at 7. bother tuning in to that NBA All-Star game last night. They were showing clips of it. It was uh, like 240 to uh, 100. <laughs> I think they scored 397 total points. I, I watched the last three minutes and they looked like they were more bored than I was. What are we going to do with All-Star games, guys? See, NFL's gone to flag football. Right. Baseball had a tie. I mean, hockey... You can't even keep up with the teams. You're, right, like, it's like I, a mini tournament. Yeah. And then the basketball, they, they scored 200 points, and they look bored to tears. Yeah. and But I did notice they were making half-court shots. They were, <laughs> well, they were, they were trying half-court shots the <laughs> yeah. whole time. I don't know. They just really don't care about it, right? So and should they just get rid of them? I think they should try to make them care about it again, right? You, I, play, you, you play basketball every day. You can't just go treat this like a scrimmage you can't even do that i know it's a break for you guys but i mean come on i think they're more concerned with injury than anything else. i know right. but it, I, I think you know LeBron, they practice every day lebron right? said uh the biggest winner uh out of last night was that no one got injured yeah and uh, that was the highlight of the all-star game when people are making 30 million dollars a year you don't want to risk an injury you don't. on some and back exhibition in the, back game. in the day did they not Get injured back in the day, they did not make thirty million dollars. Even a year. in the '90s, Jordan was making big money, and he was trying. Do we? Do we as as spectators need this? I mean, I mean, I, think, already... I mean, it's a showcase event, right, guys? I mean, there's no I, the fact that baseball tries to you know determines who gets home field advantage by win, winning. Well, and they is, don't even do that anymore. It's no, oh, that's out. That's that, out. That's been, yeah, that's okay. out. Yeah, but they did that for like fifteen years. Yeah. yeah. And now, but now that's kind of why the Cardinals won in uh, eleven. 
Oh, because they, they had home field because they lucked they into had home the, field advantage. The All Star game, and the NL hasn't won in forever, right? I think they just won this past year. They were like they like, broke the streak. One for like twenty two or something. Yeah, I don't know. I just seem like you know it's weird when you watch the bowls and the the, the college bowl games. <clears throat> the NCAA didn't have enough foresight to shut down the NIL or or just close the window until after the games where you had players. Okay, it's one thing to opt out of the bowl game because you don't want to get hurt and you're going to go on to the NFL. It's another thing to have a player transfer to another team while you guys are still practicing and prepping to represent the university. The just, coaches were leaving the teams. It's just crazy. Before even uh, – participating in the bowl game and you've got a team like uh, i think it was Tulane who won a, a, like 11 games a, a, a fantasy season probably one of the best seasons they've had in in school history and they get trounced in the bowl game because all their players left yeah including the coaches and the entire coaching staff so i agree uh don't let people transfer until after the bowl games um they could sit out if they want i guess or whatever but uh and then Maybe as far as the all-star game goes, name the all-stars. Don't make them play. A lot of guys have bonus structures, you know, getting named to the all-star team. Get named to the team. Right. But you don't necessarily need to play the game. Have a fun weekend. Uh, Remember Rock and Jock? Do you remember that? It was on MTV. It It was the pros. And then, like, TV stars and movie stars. And, and they, had, they had something called Pros versus Joes, too. Versus Joes. Yeah. I remember seeing that. They play a yeah. softball yeah. game, you know, a beer league softball game. Do you, that. You can't do it after the year, either, because guys are checked out, you know. Oh, they're, yeah. They're yeah, gone, yeah. and they're in Tahiti They're on the golf somewhere. course yeah. playing with you, Jack. Yeah, exactly. well. we'll go to commercial break, and when we come back, wrap the show up with some randoms. Well, Jay, thanks for filling in for Heidi. Oh, my pleasure. It's always fun to be with you, Josh. Appreciate you coming in on a holiday. Today's President's Day. Happy President's Day out there for everyone. Here's an interesting nugget. The number one song on the Billboard charts at the end of the last decade was All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Makes sense because, you know, it's Christmas season. The final number one in 2009 was Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z and Alicia Keys. Final number one, December 99, was Smooth by Santana. 1989, Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. And in 1979, the final number one song in the 70s was the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes. Wow. So whatever you do with that information, that's up to you. But thanks (laughs) for joining us. And thank you to Jay Delsing for filling in for Heidi. We'll see you tomorrow. And Jay, next time Heidi's off, maybe we'll see you again too. Love to do it. Thanks, Josh. Whatever gets you through the night.